Next on BYU Sports Nation, Super Sunday. More like Super Saturday for BYU basketball. Down goes St. Mary's and up go the Cougars in the standings. Tyler Hawes does it again. We're two-on-one with the nation's third-leading scorer, plus an, an exclusive with Matt Carlino, which other WCC basketball program he almost chose. College basketball analyst Blaine Fowler back on the show where he sees BYU fitting in this March and the best and worst from your Super Weekend. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Bring it on Monday, February 3rd. Six more weeks of winter, according to Punxsutawney Phil. I'm Spencer Linton from Clinton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan from West Jordan. Wherever and however you may be listening, great to have you with us. Words that come to mind when I think about Super Bowl 48. Hmm, let's see. Uh, stunned, shocked, perplexed, and downright impressed. Impressed with the Seattle Seahawks defense. Is that the best team defensive performance ever in the big game? Certainly made a case against the Broncos' high-powered offense led by one Peyton Manning. I'm not sure what to think of the game because it it was cool to see Seattle win. I wanted to Seattle to win, being from the Northwest. But it was just boring. It was over early. First play from scrimmage is a safety. There were some exciting moments, but it was never competitive. Never. Not a single moment of competition. You told me something Pure funny. Pure domination. You told me something funny this morning. You, you said, ah, maybe I should like the Packers. Then they win the Super Bowl. This is a, yeah, a couple of years ago. Because <laughs> I don't have an NFL team. I'm from Utah. So <laughs> you did it again. If you're from Utah, you're either riding the coattails of Steve Young and the Niners as a Mormon. Or the Broncos. Or you do regional with the Broncos. Every, and then there's a bu- the minority is everybody else, right? Ben Bagley, our producer, loves the Raiders. You know, stuff like that. I don't have an NFL team, but now I can't just go <laughs> walking over to the Seahawks camp. <laughs> sure you can. <laughs> but not, prob- not now that they won. <laughs> I'm probably going to do that. I'm going to go buy my $35 snapback today. Favorite commercial from the Super Bowl, Jerem? Uh... I didn't uh, until this morning. I hadn't really decided, and then I was convinced that uh, yeah, Radio Shack was indeed the best. Like the eighties called, they want their store back. <laughs> and then all these awesome Hulk people, Hogan. and I mean Alf, the DeLorean. <laughs> it, it was great. Mary Lou Retton, so awesome. The TurboTax commercial got me. That was I thought, really good. That was fantastic. The, the the kid dancing in slow motion, basically saying if if your team's not Denver or Seattle, you're at the prom watching the Super Bowl, watching the girl you love dance with some other guy. Uh, they broke it down in, that was in a great in a great way. Uh, then there's Bruno Mars. Killed he was, it. He was awesome. Killed it. He was awesome. I di- I didn't know what to think. I I think that his music's good, but I didn't fully appreciate it until he did it live. There, he was awesome. You call him Michael Jackson Light. Yeah. Michael Jackson Light. James Brown-esque, if you will. That's for Ben Bagley. Big week for BYU sports, by the way, and BYU broadcasting. Yeah, it's a huge week. There's a lot going on, namely True Blue tonight. Wednesday is football signing day, 3 p.m. Eastern press conference, plus uh, 8 Eastern, an hour-long special with Bronco Mendenhall, breaking down every single signee. Uh, guess what? Because it's the day after the Super Bowl, like America jokes, all the men in America joke that like this is the saddest day of the year. Well, guess what? It's not that far away. Countdown to Connecticut. 206. BYU and the Huskies of Connecticut, 206 short days away from teeing it up for the 2014 college football in season. East Hartford, Connecticut. At the rent. 
Uh, join our conversation by using the hashtag BYUSN, that hashtag all about giving you, our loyal BYU Sports Nation fans, a 24-7 avenue to link up across the nation or the world wherever you are. Have your say anytime, anywhere. Some notable Twitter boasting going on last night. First, the BYU Sports Nation Oracle. He tweets, Yes, I nailed all three of the predictions this weekend. BYU over St. Mary's in basketball, men's volleyball split, and a Seahawks win. Read the signs equal predict the games. Hashtag BYUSN. How did he get Wi-Fi up in his remote part of wherever he lives? That's the real question. (laughs) From parts unknown. Apparently Wi-Fi is available in parts unknown. (laughs) That's right. And not to be outdone, at Nickley51 tweets, Just for the record, I was right in all three of my predictions. BYU won basketball. Haas had over 30 points. He was awesome. More on that in a bit. And the Seahawks won. Hashtag BYUSN. Very nice. Not bad, Nick. Okay, Jaron, give the people today's Twitter question. Today's question. What's your best and worst of the weekend? Use hashtag BYUSN. We're not talking necessarily BYU stuff, but if it's BYU related, great. Send them in. We've had uh, some good ones already. Keep them coming. BYU Sports Nation airs weekdays, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on Sirius XM Channel 143, BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. Our show also on demand at BYURadio.org, or listen to the rebroadcast weekdays at 7 Eastern. Rise and shout, my friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic 1. Big win, and we are in. Collinsworth baseline drive finds Mika weak side for the lane. Getting whatever they want on the on the offensive end. And St. Mary's was doing such a good job in the first half of bottling up the perimeter, and here in the second half, BYU has had their way. Well, well, well. Here we are, early February. BYU back in second place in the West Coast Conference, and according to Joe Lunardi, lead bracketologist for ESPN, BYU is an NCAA tournament team, not an NIT team, not a CBI team, not a CIT team. They're in the bracket. And an update to that, he just published this uh, a few minutes ago, it looks like. BYU the second to last team in right now. So in his S-curve... He has BYU at 48, which is the second to last team in. As of right now, BYU's in to him. Now three quality wins. St. Mary's knocked him off by 13 on Saturday night. More than Pacific. BYU beat St. Or sorry, Pacific was a closer game than St. Mary's. Yes. Isn't that interesting? According to the final score. BYU now has beat St. Mary's. Stanford, who by the way beat Arizona State, good Pac-12 win. And how does that Texas win look now? Yeah. The Longhorns legit. quickly climbing the poles. BYU knocked them off on a neutral court early, but now they have three quality wins, an RPI of 43 today, and a strength of schedule in the mid-20s. They're an NCAA tournament team. Two weeks ago, and then four weeks ago, whenever BYU's coming off a tough loss, I start to see, I hear a lot of this. They're not a tournament team. They just don't have, they're too young. No leader on this team. They don't play defense. See the big picture. See the big picture. That's what I've been screaming through the microphone the entire season. This is what national guys see. They look at the resume. They see RPI. They see strength of schedule. And now they see three quality wins. And oh, by the way, they're second place in the West Coast Conference. BYU is a tournament team as of today. How many of you thought that a few weeks ago? Coming off losses to Pepperdine and LMU. It wasn't looking good at that point. Or coming off losses 
uh, at Portland, a loss at Portland, and then at Gonzaga. Okay. Oh, this team just can't get it done. See the big picture. There's still a tournament team. What did I say? Take care of Biz at home, and you remain in the discussion. Now they have two more at home. They have two more chances this week, one on ESPN to take care of business. ESPN U Thursday night. San, San Francisco, Francisco on Saturday. San Francisco is, in the RPI, they're low 90s. That's not a bad team. Yeah, Santa Clara, San Francisco this week. Now, part of the discussion is, okay, today versus what we think at the end of the season. And I think that's where fans were projecting. BYU still cannot afford another non-St. Mary's Gonzaga loss and, and feel comfortable in being able to get in. Because I think that pushes BYU over the edge of, ooh, you have more bad losses than you have quality wins now. Because you can kind of argue three, to, three against three. The Texas win is better than any loss BYU has uh, in terms of how good that uh, does, works for you versus how bad it is. Uh, and then the three losses BYU has. Portland, triple overtime, that happens. LMU, Pepperdine. And then the three wins you mentioned. BYU's in a good spot. But BYU has to continue to win to maintain this momentum. BYU will get off the last couple teams in, Mark, if they continue to win. And we've talked about how home games are really going to help BYU. That four, uh, They have four more home games and then three more road games left. One of which is at St. Mary's in 12 days. Big stuff there. But the point is, you win and it's acknowledged. Yes. And that is being acknowledged. They did it on ESPN2 late Saturday night. Good. There was a lot of eyes on that game. Talking about people that want to put brackets together and all that stuff. The, the guys that are national that matter. The committee was watching that game. I can guarantee you that much. The people that needed to see it saw it. And BYU gets a huge win over St. Mary's. Now, you're the exception. I, you, you don't think like normal, rational BYU, like irrational BYU fans sometimes, I should say, Jeremy. And that is, those people were saying four weeks ago, BYU is not a tournament team now because of what BYU has done. Those people are back on the bandwagon. They're back on the bandwagon. I've been saying the whole time, just watch. A lot of basketball left to play. And I said that the likely scenario was that BYU would not be able to go 8-1 and or 9-0 and and put themselves in, in that large good position at the end of the regular season, given the way they had played against teams like LMU and Pepperdine and Portland. But if BYU figures it out and they play like they did against St. Mary's, and playing at home certainly helped. St. Mary's was gassed in the second half. Oh, they were so toast. tired. So tired. BYU's got a chance. They've got a chance um, to, to avoid the NIT and to get into the NCAA tournament. Regardless, it's going to be close. If BYU gets in, it's not going to be comfortable on Selection Sunday, barring a tournament championship win. All dependent on what they do. All keep, dependent on what they do. Keep winning and playing well in those games. You've got to beat Gonzaga at home. You don't have to beat St. Mary's on the road. But you have, to, you have to split that matchup. Just win. Winning on the road would be better than losing to Gonzaga at home. Some fun numbers from Saturday's game. BYU shot 49% from the field. They out-rebounded St. Mary's in the second half with nearly a 2-1 to ratio. Going back to that fatigue we were talking about. It was 20 rebounds to 8 for BYU in the second half with a few minutes left in the game. They were winning all of the hustle plays. And early on, if you follow me on Twitter... And, Jeremy, I know you mentioned this, too. They looked tired, but I, I was just watching the St. Mary's players. Ten minutes into the game, they looked gassed. They used all their gas early in the tank in the first eight minutes. They got a 14-point lead, which, remember, last year, BYU led 20-4 to and lost the lost. game. St. Mary's led 28-14 and lost the game. Can we talk about defense for a second? Yes. 
In games where BYU has held teams under 80, that is 79 or less, BYU's record is 11-2. and two. The two losses to ranked teams, UMass and Iowa State. Solid. BYU's conditioning and playing at home, man, tough to beat. U- they- sorry, UMass was over uh, 100. It's uh, trying to remember which game it was, but there are only two, two losses under 80. BYU won the last 30-plus minutes of the game, hands down. A 30-point swing, down 14. They were up by 16 at one point in the second half. Their defense was so good in the second half. And people say, well, it's because St. Mary's retired. I don't care. BYU is running them out of the building. They retired because of what they BYU were did. running them out of the part. building. In part. 75% from the free throw line as well. All positives. Led by one Tyler Hawes. Topic two. Hossum again and again. This is Hawes now juicy defending. And Hawes over the top of it. Eight now for Tyler who's been very patient tonight. Tyler Haas scores 71 points over two games for the second consecutive week. Do the math. That's 35.5 points a game over the last four. Not only that, he's doing it not as a point guard. Much more difficult than what Jimmer did because Jimmer controlled the ball way more. He had the ball in his hands. He could do what he wanted. Tyler has to work harder to get his points. So he doesn't control the ball nearly as much. So impressed with what he's doing. 10 for 17, 33 points against St. Mary's, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, only 1 turnover. There's this funky stat that we were talking about with Kyle Chilton, the basketball uh, uh, sports information director here at BYU, about 180 guys. And, Jeremy, I'll let you break that down. So. So an elite player will shoot forty percent from the fifty percent from the field, yes. forty from three, and ninety from the free throw. That's kind of unadded. That equals one eighty. Yes. If you can combine those numbers to make one eighty, whether it's actually above uh, 50, 40, 90 or not, that's still really good. Tyler Hawes is playing above a one eighty level right now. <laughs> in in percentage for the season. For the season. Not the last four games. <laughs> Where he's oh. making this amazing run for the season. By the way, I went back and looked at how many times Jimmer had a streak of at least 142 points in four games. I identified at least four times this senior year where he did it. It was an amazing run. Wow. He was going off for 40, 40, 50, 30s consistently. Yeah. Average 28.9. Okay, so with Jimmer and then followed practically immediately by Tyler Haas, do you understand as BYU Sports Nation how fortunate you are to witness this? You're probably watching the all-time leading scorer in BYU history. You get to watch Jimmer, and then you get to watch Tyler do it a few years later. How long did we have to wait to watch him pass Danny Ainge? It was like 30 years. Which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Heck yes, it is. Tyler Hawes needs 881 points to pass Jimmer. Feels like a lot, right? Nope. If he maintains his average of 24.6 the rest of this season for seven regular season games plus two other games, let's assume BYU loses the quarterfinal and then loses the NCAA or NIT. They're probably going to play more, right? He will only need to average 19.4 next year to pass Jimmer. That will happen. The day. That will happen. It will happen. He gets his points so quietly. That's what's so funny. I'm like, wow, Tyler's got 30? I know we're going to ask Blaine about this because Blaine has a strong opinion about this. In the second half, Tyler Haas takes over. He is so well-conditioned. 
and mentally, he just creates so much fatigue with opposing players. They just break down and crumble. In the last four games, we've seen how good he can be. <laughs> we spoke with the Saturday Night Hero two-on-one. Tyler Hawes on the mic, like only BYU Sports Nation can bring you. 0-4 versus St. Mary's coming into the game. Finally, the victory over the Gales. What, what does that mean to this team? No, I've, it feels really good to finally beat them. Uh, they're a great team, and we need the challenge coming in. Uh, kind of got off to a slow start. Just kind of felt weird. But I'm really proud of the way our guys uh, fixed it and competed and just kept battling. And uh, just, it feels really good. The start was the opposite of last year. Uh, BYU led 20 to 4, up by 16, and then they led by 14 in this one. Uh, what happened at that point when they went up 14 that changed things where you guys owned the rest of the game? No, we just buckled down. Uh, our focus was on defense, trying to make plays and get stops and. Uh, make it tough for Waldo. Um, really proud of our bench, the way they came in and just made uh, made Waldo take tough shots. So, I mean, it felt good going into halftime with a little momentum. I think we were only down one, so it was fun. Scored 71 points in two games last week, 71 points in two games this week. Are you just finding your groove right now, or what's going on mentally in your head? No, I, I'm just, I, I find my rhythm in the game. Um, it feels like I, I'm getting in this, getting in, getting the ball in spots where I, where I can be effective. I've got to give my teammates and, and coaches a lot of credit. They're calling my number and um, finding me in spots, and so it feels really good right now. You had seven rebounds tonight, too, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was second most on the team. Uh, was that something you were focused on this week? Yeah, that was a key coming into the game was, was rebounding. And, it, you know, we had that slow start. The first ten minutes, it felt like they were getting every single rebound. Their guards were getting lots of offensive rebounds. And so um, glad, I'm glad that we were able to turn it on. And I, I was trying to just be aggressive and go get the ball. And, um it's it's been a focus because I I mean I've only gotten two or three the last four get four or five games my dad keeps giving me crap saying there's five there's five for you to get and so I gotta just I gotta keep focusing on that changing gears for a second what did it mean to have your jersey retired at Lone Peak last night if it was a great honor I mean I'm I'm proud to be able to say I went to Lone Peak and played for Coach Lewis. He's built such a great program, and uh, it was a it was a great night. Had lots of former teammates there. We had dinner before with with all the teammates and stuff, and so uh, they made it they made it special. Is this the greatest two week stretch of basketball that that you've had as as a player between going off for forty eight and seventy one in two consecutive weeks, getting your number retired? What do you think? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely got to be up there. Uh, I wish we could have gotten a few more wins on our road trip, um, but I, I'm I'm happy with where we're at right now. It feels like, you know, offense is clicking, but I think we're making strides on the defensive end of the floor too. Um, it, that's definitely been a focus, and uh, we got to just keep building and keep getting better. Can you describe the difference in the feeling of first two games in the front nine of conference you lose, and then? Now we're in the first two games of the back nine. You beat Pacific, you beat St. Mary's. Yeah, no, I think we were a little relaxed. Uh, we didn't really understand uh, the challenge, uh, the first two games of conference. Uh, and so it definitely woke us up, uh, kind of exposed our weaknesses. And, but those things have been addressed, uh, and there's no time to relax now either. I mean, 
any anything can happen in this league, and there's so many teams that are good and well coached, and so we got to be ready to play every night. When you hit a big shot and it's a packed house and people go crazy, do you do you take time to listen to that? What what's that emotion like for you as a player? It's awesome. I, I mean, there's nothing like uh, the Marriott Center packed and uh, being able to to hit some big shots and. I mean, this place gets so loud, and you, you kind of feed off that energy. and uh, So it, uh, lots of good memories, for sure. What's better, the silence on the road or the applause of the crowd at home in that moment? <laughs> oh, gosh. No, probably at home. I mean, the positive energy? The positive energy is, is great, but it, it also feels good to, to silence the crowd, too. <laughs> well, keep it going. Nicely done. Thanks, Jaron. Appreciate it. Tyler Haas, two-on-one with BYU Sports Nation. You're likely watching what will become the all-time leading scorer in BYU basketball history, Tyler Haas. He'll be the WCC Player of the Week again. If Sam Dower of Gonzaga gets it, I'm going to be ticked. 35.5 points a game, two wins, you win. And you beat St. Mary's. You beat St. Mary's. You didn't need a three at the end to beat Santa Clara on the road. Bring on Twitter. You've got tweets. BYU Sports and Super Bowl included. What was your best and worst of the Super Weekend? Use the hashtag BYUSN at CougarStats says German engineer rainbows. (laughs) (laughs) Ron was pretty good slash awkward. (laughs) Yeah, referencing a commercial. At Seth Killingbeck. Awkward. Worst of the weekend was Waldo's fangs. Best was seeing the Longhorns continue to roll. We talked, uh, well... Yeah, we heard from the Oracle. He, he talked about the giant vampire. <laughs> you saw it on display Saturday. Maybe he saw the moment when Waldo took his mouthpiece and threw it against the scoreboard. Leaving board. the giant vampire being slain. <laughs> Technical. Was BYU's 14-point comeback win over St. Mary's more impressive than Tyler Haas dropping 33? Blaine Fowler offers his opinion next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. If you missed the countdown to Connecticut, we're at 206 days. I mean, that's close. Like, <laughs> Let's start previewing that game right now. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on Beat to the Y to the U Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio 2 at BYU Broadcasting. Huge week ahead of us. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Tonight on True Blue, senior safety Craig Bills is in studio. Kathy Aiken features the Luge Coug, Kate Hansen, the BYU student at the Winter Olympics in Sochi, and Blaine Fowler breaks down BYU's at-large resume after the win against St. Mary's. True Blue airs tonight on BYU TV and BYU Radio at 8.30 Eastern. Also, do you want to see the Cougars in action yes. at the 2014, let me finish, Okay. WCC basketball tournament? Yes, I do. You could join. Well, you're not eligible for this. You could join Coach Rose and the rest of the team in Vegas on the Journey to the Tourney contest. Oh, I'll Ed, be there. Enter for your your chance to win airfare, hotel, and tickets <laughs> to the game to select games in March. Whether I have to pay for it or not, like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash BYUTV Sports. Yeah, really, that is a cool contest. Yeah. Okay, we, we'll be there. We just heard from Tyler Haas. Tyler Haas will be there too, and I, and I'm projecting that he'll win West Coast Conference Player of the Week for the second time this year. If he doesn't, it's an atrocity. Just heard from Tyler Haas, and uh, we, we got a tweet in response to something you asked, Tyler. You said, is, is it a better feeling to silence the crowd on the road or to, to have people go nuts, just go bonkers in the Marriott Center at home? 
and uh, at Aerobic Gym says this, BYU doesn't silence the crowd most places because BYU fans represent on the road. That's true. There's not silence. There's always BYU fans at, at these games. That's a great point. Our Twitter question is, BYU Sports and Super Bowl included, what was your best and worst of the weekend? A perfect segue to welcome in one of our weekly guests, Blaine Fowler, college basketball expert joining BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, what was your best and worst from a Super Weekend? Well, the Super Bowl was just awful. And I, I hate it when the Super Bowl is awful. Like, I, it just, just, just bored me to tears. I found myself watching the commercials more. Like, I was, I was thrilled that that dog commercial came on at the end again. Where the, the puppy where and the, the horse? Yeah, the puppy and the horse one. Because, because I, I was, I'd had it with the game by then. I was just, it was just an awful performance by, by uh, the Broncos. Okay, what was your best? Gosh. My my best of the weekend. I even though I stayed up until one o'clock in the morning and watched it, uh, you know BYU's victory over St. Mary's and the way they played was my best. Hard to argue that Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation, college basketball expert. Okay, Blaine, what are we witnessing with Tyler Hawes? Uh, was he more impressive than the team's fourteen point comeback? Compare and contrast the two. Well, it was it was impressive because I thought I thought I saw them take a step forward in defending this, this last week at home, which was big. But, I mean, what he did individually is just crazy. I, I feel like he's so confident right now. And, and part of the reason he's so confident, I think he's in unbelievable condition. He's one of the best-conditioned athletes I've ever seen. And you look at what he's done in second halves of games, he just wears people out. And remember, these are teams that are coming into the game where their entire defensive game plan is around stopping Tyler Haas. And he runs them off of screen after screen after screen. He just never stops when he doesn't have the basketball in his hands. And at the end of the games, you would think he'd be worn out. He wouldn't have the legs to make jump shots, but he seems to get better. And I think he physically and mentally wears out the other team. And so, so I think it's as much about his conditioning as anything else. He's been unbelievable. Blaine Fowler's on BYU Sports Nation. You can watch him tonight on True Blue, hosted by Spencer Linton, because Dave McCann's in Russia for the next month, tonight, 8.30 Eastern. Blaine, I liked BYU's uh, defense on, on Saturday. They started man-to-man, and St. Mary's jumped out to a lead. But then they changed it, they doubled, they showed more zone, they mixed it up, and St. Mary's was tired. That was part of it. But you're right, BYU's defense improved, and that's a good sign for the rest of conference play. Well, it, it hopefully it has to be. To me, defense is, is a mindset. I do think that BYU has the skill set to be better defensively than they do. I don't think that they have unbelievable lateral quickness um, so that they can be this on-the-ball, just stop-the-ball type of a defensive team. But I do think they can be way better than they've been. And, and that's about mindset and about you know being willing to go out there and play as hard as you can defensively, knowing you might have to come out of the game if you're gassed. And, and I saw that in the last couple of games. The effort level was there. They did a good job. You know, St. Mary's has that great inside-out game with Waldo and, and Holt, and they, they did a great job of, of defending the inside and not getting themselves in serious foul trouble. They actually ended up getting St. Mary's in foul trouble. I guess, I guess Waldo helped out by chucking his mouthpiece against the wall. That helped with a foul trouble situation for them. But <laughs> that was awesome. The, the mouthpiece, maybe that's one of my favorites in the weekend, the Brad Waldo mouthpiece with fangs on it. I kind of like that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he helped BYU out a little bit with his anger. Um, but a good sign is, is at the end of that game, St. Mary's was really frustrated. I mean, they were, they were physically frustrated, um, and you could see it. 
Uh, and that's because BYU dogged them defensively. They played with great effort. They were getting to the 50-50 balls. And there's never been a question about BYU's offense all year long. The problem you have is the kind of team BYU has been is a little bit like we can talk about the Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos may be the best offensive team we've seen in 20 years in the NFL. But there's days when the offense just doesn't go. And, and I, I don't know if it was as much Seattle yesterday as if it was Denver was just off. Great defensive teams can stay in a game like that one, grind it out, and figure out a way to win. If you're not a great defensive team, when you're off in a ball game and you're knocking down shots, you lose the teams that you shouldn't lose to. You lose to Portland on the road. You lose to Pepperdine. You lose to Loyola when you can't grind it out when you're not shooting it well. And, and so that's the difference between a BYU right now and a team like Gonzaga. Gonzaga can score, but you're number two in the league in scoring offense, but they're also number two in the league in scoring defense, and it's not because they slow it down like San Diego. BYU's number one in scoring offense, but they're 10th in the league in scoring defense. So it's an area that if they want to get to the tournament, they've got to continue to replicate what they did in these last two games defensively, and they're going to have to win, in my opinion. We talked about this last week. I think they have a one-loss margin you know, down the stretch here to get into the NCAA tournament as an at-large. Blaine Fowler, college basketball expert, BYU TV analyst on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, Blaine, I'm a big-picture guy, always have been, been waving that flag from the get-go with this basketball team that after a bad loss, just wait, a lot of basketball left to play. So as of today, ESPN lead bracketologist Joe Lenardi has projected the Cougars as in the tournament. He said, you beat St. Mary's, you win, and you're in. Well, they did. An enormous month ahead. Where do you see BYU fitting in this March? I think they have a great shot to get in the tournament because of what they're doing right now, and they have three quality wins. Where do you see them fitting in? Well, they, they've got a four-game stretch in this, in this run down the regular season where they play four teams in the top 100 RPI. So they have San Francisco. It starts the end of this week. Santa Clara, they just, they, come on, guys, they have to win. Santa Clara's RPI is in the 200s. It's like 215 or something. Agreed. Like yeah, that. yeah, they have to win that game. So, so, so now you've got San Francisco, Pacific, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga. Boom, 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 boom. San Francisco and Pacific are both in the 90s. St. Mary's is 60. Gonzaga, 25, 26, depending on which RPI you look at. So, so they have to go now. And they need to make sure that they take care of business in those four games. Now, I think they could afford to lose maybe at St. Mary's because it would be a road game against a top 60 RPI team. Um, I think they need to get this Gonzaga win at home, even though Gonzaga is a number 26, 25, 26 um, uh, RPI. They need to split with them because they could end up seeing them in the tournament finals if it all works out. If you, you can stay in that number two position, which I think they can. And, and who knows what happens on a neutral four. So going into the tournament, if you're at large, say they lose to Gonzaga in the finals of the, uh, the WCC tournament. If they have a win against Gonzaga at home, I think that those two losses, one on the road and one on neutral, against a top 25 RPI team at that point, I think that's okay. Um, so, so I think they actually can lose to St. Mary's on the road, and I think it's more important that they beat Gonzaga at home um, and then they have to win all the rest. They can't lose to Portland, who's 159. They can't lose to San Diego, who's 154. And there's games in this stretch that they just, if they lose, in my opinion, they bounce themselves right out of the tournament. And then it's that four core that will help them move their RPI up into the high 30s, maybe mid 30s. I always feel like you got to be 35 or higher to kind of feel really comfortable that, hey, you know what? It would be wacky for these guys not to be in. Where they're sitting right now in the mid 40s with BYU. 
That's still iffy territory. And so they've got some work to do. And I think those four games, they get four wins against top 100 RPI teams down the stretch here, then win a game um, or two, hopefully two, in the NCAA tournament. Get that win total up to 22, 23 games. Have a quality win, another quality win against the top 25 RPI team in Gonzaga at home. And I think they're in. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of them. But if they play the way they played this past week, they can go with only one loss down the stretch here, maybe the same areas. They can get to the tournament championship game, and they can lose that game and still get in that large bid. So, so there you have it. BYU TV football and basketball analyst Blaine Fowler joins us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, and Texas jumped from 25 to 15 this week, by the way. That win continues to look good. Is That is obviously BYU's best win. In your opinion, what is BYU's second best win? To me, it's St. Mary's more than Stanford. Well, St. Mary's was at home, and Stanford was on the road. Stanford still has a higher RPI. So I'd argue that Stanford win was – I'd call those two the same. Um I think it's easier to win against a team that you don't play all the time than a team that's prepared to play against you and that you've had this, this uh, I don't I'd say BYU's been in a funk against St. Mary's since they've been in the same league. Oh, and four. To describe it. And so, so for, for BYU's mindset, I think that the St. Mary's game is big and it, and it launches them into this week with confidence. Um, but I think when they sit down in that room and it's the tournament time, because of the strength, the strength schedule Pac-12 is better, because – the Stanford game was, was not at home. Um, I think the Stanford game is going to count for more when it all comes down to it. But I think those are the, you know, Stanford, Texas, and St. Mary's are quality wins. BYU has some quality losses. I mean, Iowa State is a quality loss. UMass. Oregon is sliding, but it's still a top 50 RPI team. Wichita State, um, Gonzaga, these, these are all quality losses, but they've got some bad losses, so they cannot afford – another bad loss. They can't lose to a Santa Clara, a Portland, or San Diego because they've already got the, the Loyola, the Pepperdine, the Portland, the Utah losses. Uh, those losses are all losses against teams out of the top 100, and, and they hurt you when they're sitting down at tournament time. So and Utah's, Utah's second-best win is BYU. Yeah, I know. I know. They, they need one more big win, and I think that's going to be Gonzaga at home. Um, they... they Take care of their business. I'm even okay if they lose to St. Mary's on the road. Now, if they, if they win out in the regular season, then I think they're a lock. Um, but I think they can get away with one loss and then, um, and then play their way into the championship game, and then I think they can even lose that game if it's Gonzaga and go to the tournament as an at-large. Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation. Okay, Blaine, uh, because you're a dual-threat analyst, I'm going to talk to you about signing day and what that means for a program. It's such a hit-or-miss thing for college programs across the country. But with, with BYU and the difficulties and, and the challenges they have in recruiting because of missions and because of the honor code and things like that, where do you think the status of the program is right now as we approach yet another signing day? I think they're in good shape. I know they're a little short on scholarships this year, but they have a big influx of missionaries coming back. And you know they like that to be balanced where they have 18 to 20 going out and that many coming back. We're a little imbalanced again this year. Um, but, but I think the program is in, a, is in a position where they can not only sell themselves as the place where you need to be for good quality LDS kids who are talented, but also high-caliber, high-character kids that have an internal honor code to them to begin with that want to play in a very visible program. I think the, the ESPN deal and independence has been very good for BYU's recruiting. And the, the only problem with, with BYU's recruiting is when you get excited about signing day for them, 
you can get all excited that day, and then you really have to wait a long time before any of that really. Like means four anything. years before that guy plays his first <laughs> season after a redshirt. Seriously, I know, I, five years I later, it, it, he's a junior. I, I I always believe that signing day is way too hyped because there's going to be some huge recruit that ends up not even being any good. There's going to be a Chad Lewis of every class that that didn't even get recruited, or a Dennis Pitta isn't in the class. Isn't, yeah, isn't even in the right. There's going to be a guy this week that we're not even talking about, maybe even two, that's going to play in the National Football League. And so they, they like to think that this is a science, but it's just so hard to project high school kids and what they're going to do, especially at BYU, if they go out and serve a mission, redshirt, and come back. How, how's that kid that was a four-star recruit in high school going to project as a freshman three years from now? You know, and, and, and then how's he going to be as a junior and senior? It's just so hard to project. And I think the hardest position to project is a quarterback position. And we've learned that. BYU has signed two number one quarterback recruits in the country. Who have transferred. And neither of them, and neither of them ended up, well, we'll wait to see with Jay Keats, but neither of them ended up, not only did they transfer, but they didn't, they didn't live up to the potential. Those guys should be NFL all-stars, according to the stars in the rankings. Right. And the third and, is Tanner and, Mangum on a mission who BYU right. hopes will be the first to actually turn out. The so first originally and, 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 was you, right? No, you believe me. I was <laughs> you told Joe um, Pa no at, in his office. Well, I've, I've heard that story. That, I was number one in the state of New York, but well, number you know, one in my heart. That, that's good because I'm glad that you feel that way. But uh, you know, think about that. the class. Be, the class before my class, they recruit a guy that they really. I mean, we really think about it. The only reason they give Steve Young a scholarship to come to BYU is because he's this unbelievable athlete that was running the option back in Connecticut, and his father and his grandfather, or his great 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 his great great grandfather was the founder, but his dad had played there. Grant had played there. And it's like, okay, the kid's a great athlete. We'll find a position for him. And, and literally, out. my freshman year, they were talking about him moving to safety because Doug Scoville didn't like left-handed quarterbacks. Well, thank goodness for Steve and for the rest of us that Doug left and Ted Toner came in and said, hey, I kind of like Steve Young. I think he can play. Well, let's give him another shot at quarterback. That worked out okay. Thank you, Ted. Um, yeah, thank you, Ted Toner. We could all thank Ted Toner and Mike Holmgren, who developed him you know, when Ted left that next year. But – but it was Ted that decided he was going to keep him at quarterback. If Doug Scoville stays the offensive coordinator at BYU, I believe Steve Young never plays it down a quarterback at BYU. Wow. Great. And, and so that, that's how hard it is to evaluate quarterbacks, let alone you know, or the other positions. And so I, I don't get as excited as most about signing. I mean, it's a great time to talk about football in the offseason, and it's fun. But at BYU, to me, it's just like, you know what? Let's wait till fall camp and see who we have in camp, and then I'll tell you who's good. I don't have any idea which of these kids is going to be a star and which is not. And really, the coaches don't either. They'll all say it's the greatest, but they don't have any idea. They do the best they can and hope that they can develop these guys. Blaine, we appreciate the time. Great stuff as always. Always uh, good to go to the well on the 80s stories. Uh, You are a treasure trove of knowledge, my friend. (laughs) Thanks for the time, Blaine. All right, guys. We'll see you on True Blue. See you a little later. Bye-bye. Blaine Fowler. Treasure Trove. He says he has no idea. That's wrong. Two years ago on our signing day special, he said Jamal Williams is the most likely of this group to have an impact this season. We should bring that he's up He's right. Them. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Blaine's going to be out of town Wednesday, so he's not going to be there to predict such a thing. But we'll use him uh, probably next week. We could ask him that question. Certainly. David Nixon and Brian Logan will be in studio with you Wednesday, 8 Eastern, Hour-long special with Bronco breaking it down with everybody. Sign on the dotted line. Get excited. And give me some more Twitter. For the class of 2024. It's Twitter time.
<laughs> At Parker Lauren, answering this question, BYU Sports and Super Bowl included, what was your best and worst of the weekend? He says, best, big win over St. Mary's. Worst, the dirty play of Pacific and St. Mary's that got their players ejected. That happens. And, and guess who's involved almost every time? Nate Austin or Eric Mika. <laughs> you wear elbow pads, you're asking for it, right? Absolutely. What would Matt Carlino have done if he had gotten to Brad Waldo's mouthpiece first? Speaking of some of those more dirty plays and questionable things. Oh, he just threw his mouthpiece. No big deal. He's frustrated. We'll answer that. Well, more like Matt Carlino will answer that next on BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs. Haas. We get it back out to Carlino. He'll fire from downtown in the triple for Carlino. And it's a 10-point game. How about Tyler Haas being a generous player as well? The assist right there to Matt Carlino. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. With Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hey, don't hit on the mellow. I don't. 62 is awesome. Tonight on True Blue is a big old night. Senior safety Craig Bills in studio. Kathy Aiken features the Luge Coog. If you're a fan of BYU Sports Nation, you know what that's all about. Kate Hansen, an Olympian. The BYU studio at the Winter Olympics in Sochi. Say what? And Blaine Fowler breaks down BYU's at-large resume for the NCAA tournament after a win against St. Mary's. True Blue. 8.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Be there! What's your top headline for the day, Jerem? Bracketology. Joe Lenardi says BYU is the second-to-last team in right now. Team 48 in on his S-curve. Uh, so that's good news for BYU fans. That is as of now. So BYU needs to continue to win. Uh, and like we've talked about, I think BYU needs to split with St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the back seven. If BYU wins both of those, look out. It'd be nice if BYU got up to an 11 seed. In the NCAA tournament? I love the 11 seed more than any other seed. More than a 12? Yes, I just do. The 12 the twelve beats the 5 about half the time. That's true, but if you're an 11 you beat a 6. Like, then you're I feel playing better, a 3. I feel better about playing a 3, yeah. yeah. Matt Carlino has had quite the season for BYU basketball, and now he is embracing what has come his way. Playing starter minutes, yet coming off the bench, Jeremy and I go 2-on-1 with Matt Carlino after what arguably is the biggest win of BYU's conference season. Matthew Mario Carlino, what does it mean to beat St. Mary's finally? It's good. It's a stepping stone uh, in our season. Uh, I mean, for myself, it feels good to, you know, finally beat those guys. Those are, I mean, it basically came down to St. Mary's and BYU for my recruiting process and to not beat them. And now finally beat them, it, it feels great. How close were you to going to St. Mary's? Closer than a lot of people think. Uh, I was actually real close, but I mean, I'm glad I was glad I'm here, and I'm glad we finally beat those guys. Was the difference that you didn't have to wear a mouthpiece here? <laughs> um, yeah, those mouthpieces are awful. Uh, when you throw them, you get a technical. That's what we learned today. Is that what Waldo did? Waldo threw his mouthpiece, his his vampire, his vampire fangs, and got a tee. And did he go pick it up? I thought it got left for a while. I didn't want to go grab that thing. I would have for sure grabbed it and thrown it somewhere. <laughs> that thing is hideous. He needs to change mouth guards. 
how how have you how much have you enjoyed your new role coming out the bench being the spark guy the spark guy uh i enjoy it i mean i just enjoy playing i mean any minutes that i get or you know i'm grateful for and uh you know i just try to help the team are you comfortable in this role at this point everyone's asked me if i'm comfortable yeah i'm comfortable when i'm on the floor i mean so i'm comfortable yeah i mean i'm comfortable playing so would you rather start and oh you know it's not my decision it's coach's decision uh so i just you know i just like playing i mean when it happens it doesn't really matter it's just you know i think every player would tell you they just like to play so when it comes is not my decision the time i get i just need to do the best i can with it and uh you know that's that there's a guy on twitter it's asked at post jimmer he's like the biggest matt carlino fan ever are you aware of this person yeah i am aware of him and i appreciate him i mean uh you know i don't i don't follow that stuff or i'm not on twitter anymore thank the lord uh but uh you know it's nice to have people uh stick up you my mom's always trying to tell me what he's saying and stuff and i'm just like i don't really want to hear it because i don't want to hear about that stuff anyways but uh you know i uh i appreciate him being one of my biggest fans he makes some valid points in their interest okay so you hit a huge three crowd goes crazy i think you have the best celebration of the night it's like a a fist pump right left right in the air what was that all about uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Wedding Crashers, but uh, when Will Ferrell's like, I'm living the dream, and he's <laughs> hoping his sis, that's, that's what I was doing. It all makes so, sense. It all makes yeah. sense. So that's what I, I was just, I like to have fun out there. A lot of people don't know what I'm doing a lot of times, but I, like even my teammates don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just having fun, just joking around most all the time, so... We've discussed the possibility of an alter ego with you. Certain style of play is Matt Carlino. A certain style of play is Mario Carlino. Would that be a fair assessment? Like, may we use the Mario Carlino for when you're playing a certain way or Matt the other way? Um, I think previously in my career, I would say, yeah, I for sure had an alter ego. I think now I'm trying to get better uh, as a player and just be more you know, just solid and, uh, you know, just coming to my own as a player. And, uh, I mean, I think you can tell, like, I'm not turning the ball over ever and, uh, you know, just being more of a point guard out there. So, I mean, when I'm hitting shots, I mean, like I said, I like to have fun. So it's just like, it's just funny. Some of the stuff I do, I get yelled at sometimes by coach Rose actually. Will he yell at you about that celebration that Spencer described? No, because we won, but, <laughs> and even when we have won, he's yelled at me, like, I don't know, we hadn't gave energy solutions, and I was raising the roof, kicking it old school, and... Is uh, that Montana? I'm trying to it say? Was. It was Montana, I'm pretty Last sure. Year. Yeah, and I raised the roof, and he just chewed me out after, and I was like, come on, man, like, are you kidding me? I can't raise the roof after three, but I haven't raised the roof since, but, I mean, I mean, I just like to have a lot of fun, I think and he knows that he like he came up to me after uh mika got elbow and he's like hey don't go after anyone now matt because he knows i'm feisty sometimes i like to like the other night me and the opposing coach were chirping a little bit back and forth pacific pacific yeah and i mean i mean that's just how i am i just i'm pretty emotional out on the floor and I, I mean i just like to have fun i like that though i mean i, I like the leadership role that you've kind of 
grown into you as you've been here at BYU, you're more vocal. I really like that. Was that like a, a cognitive thing where you're like, I'm going to do this? Uh, I think that's who I am. I think, uh, like I said, just coming into my own as a person and a player, uh, I think it's been uh, the difference. I mean, yeah, I, I, I like to bring energy. and I like, like a lot of times... I just, like, in the huddle, I'll just be like, hey, guys, like, just settle down because, like, sometimes we need that. Like, we'll get, like, to the, we think the whole world's against us. It's like, hey, like, <laughs> this is fun out here. So, I mean, a lot of times I'm just, like, you know, trying to calm guys down. I mean, I'm not, like, hitting guys in the chest trying to pump them up a lot. I mean, sometimes I will, but it's mostly, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not I won't do that to any of the guys, like, out on the floor. I don't want people to see that, but... You know, it's a, yeah, it's a role that, I mean, I feel I have being a leader. Uh, and that's just my personality. I, I always talk, like I told the guys, like, I can never come into the locker room one day and not talk to every single person on the whole team. Every day I'll t- I talk to every single guy on the whole team. It's just my personality. I couldn't not talk to one guy. So that's just, that's just who I am. So defensively in a game like Gonzaga I know there's different personnel but versus this kind of game what what was the difference defensively to where you hold St. Mary's to 71 points and you win uh I think we've that's been our main focus I think it was in Pacific too I think we had lapses in the second half but the first half was pretty solid uh but I mean that's what we need to do I mean defense needs to start becoming part of our identity I mean we can score so many points I think we're second in the nation scoring, but, I mean, our record doesn't really say. I mean, we should be second in the nation because we can score that like that. But our defense has been so poor the first half of the season, and I think it's picking up now. And I mean, that's what's going to – I mean, I don't think a lot of teams can beat us if our defense is – if we hold teams under 70 points because I think every night we can come out and score over 70 points. So I, I think we need to start looking at the game like that. Matt, we award you the celebration of the night and congratulate you on a big win. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Matthew, Mario, Carlino, over the last three games have been very impressive. 12 points. No, Just... that's, no that's total. He's, oh, he's, he's, okay. n- he's not been crazy efficient offensively. Nine assists, three turnovers, four steals, 21 minutes played. BYU hasn't needed it. It's been interesting. 21 minutes per game. Per game. 12 points total. 12 BYU's, points total. Okay. BYU's gotten great efforts from Mika, from Collinsworth. So it wasn't his. He hasn't had his best games, but they've been good enough to get everyone but he's else been involved. Efficient. He's yeah. been efficient. The when nine Tyler's assists, going off, you don't need the nine Kyle. assists and three turnovers. Or and Matt. he said, "I'm not really ever turning the ball over," and that's true. Yes. He's just not three to one turnover ratio the last three games. Great. And he's hit big shots at big times, like the three pointers he's hit in the last two games have come at really big times. Two for nine, so the body work not great, but he's hit a couple threes that in that moment in that game meant something. Clutch shots. Okay, you know what time it is? Time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's volleyball. Like the Oracle predicted, you always split over the weekend. The Cougars lost in five at Pepperdine despite leading 7-3 in that set, but then one in five at USC. Tonight, BYU's at Cal Baptist, 10 Eastern. If you pay money, you can watch it online. Riverside, what up? Women's basketball. Jennifer Hampson has another big game. 88-57 redemption win over Pacific on Saturday. Hampson scored 25, had a career-high 18 rebounds, had seven blocks, almost a triple-double again. Morgan Bailey had 17 coming off her BYU Sports Nation appearance. Swimming and diving. The karma is real. Seattle may have won the Super Bowl, but they lost 155-49 to to BYU on Saturday, (laughs) sweeping all events, uh, breaking three pool records in the process. 
Gymnastics. Here's Raquel. She's BYU's only all-arounder tonight. Just finishing up. Double layout and another stick. Raquel Wilman Hatch scores a 9.95 on the uneven bars. Wow. That blows her previous best of 9.875 really out of the water. Raquel Wilman Hatch takes the overall. Mackenzie Johnson finished just behind her in second as BYU Gymnastics puts up their best score of the year by far. Somehow they finished second behind a very good Denver team. I mean, it was close. BYU's 196.425 would put them, that's, that's the top 10 score right there. Very solid stuff. Tennis. The men's team lost 5-2 at Denver over the weekend. This week, BYU has a home match against number 44, Boise State, Saturday, 5.30 p.m. local time. They hand out free pizza, I believe, with those. Give me some free food. Later this week, Dave Odom, the organizer of the Maui Invitational, which BYU will compete in next... Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving. This Thanksgiving, that's right. Are we going to that? Are we going? Schedule the trip Let's to go. Hawaii. Let's talk, to the, let's talk to the suits. Let's make it happen. <laughs> to Kate, the suits. Kate Hansen. You're wearing a suit. <laughs> Kate Hansen, the Luge Coug, Olympian, BYU student in Russia. Talk to her while she's uh, getting ready for the Olympic Games. Good stuff. Bronco Mendenhall signing day on Thursday. And Dave McCann will join us live from Sochi. Nice. Our first guest from Russia. Rise and shout goes to... Easy. Tyler Haas. Again. 71 points last week. That's 35.5 points per game. BYU wins two. Rise and shout, Tyler Haas. A couple of tweets very quickly. Tweet, tweet. BYU and Super Bowl included. What was your best and worst of the weekend? Hashtag BYUSN at FRuiz801 says the best was seeing hashtag Gale Tears. I love it. It was nice to finally be. They're good. The Gales are good. They're so good it was a good win for BYU. At Y for Life. Best, BYU comes back from the deep hole. They were down 14. Worst, Denver drops 100 million viewers into a sleeping hole. <laughs> that was, that was, it's more than just the game, so there's other things to look at and talk about. It's a party. You also have the TV on. You also have food. I mean, that was, it's a fun day, no matter what. At BJ's Pack says, the worst was Mika taking another cheap shot to the face. But he restrained himself. Yes, he did. And so, I credit the karma. Yeah, we talked to him after. It was tough. Thanks for our guests today. Tyler Haas, Blaine Fowler, Matt Carlino, and everyone on the crew. Producer Ben Bagley, Senior Coordinating Producer Michael Miner, Station Manager Don Chalina, Production Assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, and Engineer Aaron Epps. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. It's a Monday. You've just listened to an awesome BYU Sports Nation.